you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles with me at all of our campuses to the book of Psalms, and we're going to look at Psalms chapter 116 and verse number 5. Psalms 116 and verse number 5. I heard this quote by A.W. Tozer. He said, what you think about God might just be the most important thing about you. Who you think God is might just be the most important thing about you. Who is God? Is he a judge waiting to judge you? Is he a a vindicator who is ready to pour out justice on you? Is he a father ready to love you? What you think about God might just be the most important thing about you. In Psalms 116 and verse number five, it says, gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God, he is compassionate. Gracious is the Lord, your God. Yes, our God, he is compassionate. Um, So this past week on Monday, my wife came to me and she said, I want to help you. And the backstory behind that is I've been trying to live more like God told us to with a Sabbath. Uh, If you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, I preached on Sabbath, how God established a day of rest. And it was not because God needed a rest. He was modeling for us that we should rest. Uh, and have Sabbath, and that was something I had no idea how to do or what that looked like or where to start. Uh, But one thing that I've been shooting for is Sabbath-ish kind of moments, (laughs) and what I mean by Sabbath-ish is it's not like a full day, but it's time within the day that's kind of set aside time for a connection with God and a connection with myself and maybe even a little collection, uh, connection with fun. Uh, And so for me, Mondays is that day because by the end of Sunday night, I'm tired. Uh, I wake up really early to pray and prepare my heart on Sundays, go over my message, then preach at the 8.30 service at Highland Colony, drive from Highland Colony here to Lakeland, preach the 10 11.30 here at Lakeland, we'll drive home, take a nap, go over my message, drive to Fondren uh, at 6 p.m., preach an entirely different message, it's loads of fun, uh, and then after that, talk, help set, you know, tear down, all those types of things, and then finally get in bed around 10. And Monday morning, I wake up not wanting to move or talk. Uh, And and there's never a day for me to rest. Uh, Like Sabbath would be Monday for me because Monday, I just kind of want to sit. And somebody says, well, what else? Well, that's it. I just want to sit, not talk to anybody. Like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's what, what Sabbath kind of looks like to me on Monday. But unfortunately, you know, for those of us who are trying to walk this out and diligently trying to follow the way of Jesus, we know sometimes it's not always as easy as it, um, you know, as it should be, uh, that with Sabbath there's work. Um, and when you have family and young children like I have, there's places to go, people to see, uh, things to do. And so on Monday, it was just filled up. We, we were the primary caregivers for my grandmother as well. And so I drove to Clinton to go take care of her. And then work just kind of found me. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it found me in my email. It found me in my, my phone. It found me in my family. Like work was just everywhere. My wife kind of saw this. And so my wife is fighting for a Sabbath for me as well. And so there was one thing I had left to do on Monday, and that was go get a mattress. Uh, we had a mattress for our house that we were coming to to use, and very thankful for this mattress. We're, we're going to bring it there and uh, that kind of thing, but I needed to pick it up. And she said, well, look, don't worry about it. Uh, I'll pick it up. And I'm like, no, you know, it's really heavy. And, you know, mattresses are heavy. I don't want you to have to do that. That's something I'll do. And she's like, no. She's like, rest. Sabbath. I got this. Uh, and she said, you know, like out of this, like I'll have my, uh, you know, our son, Boston, who's my oldest son, he's 14 years old and he's been lifting, you know, that kind of thing, drinking the protein shake. I got him, I got him this muscle mass gainer called like mutant mass. <laughs> it's got like 1500 calories a serving. Uh, so I call it a fat shake. Uh, and, and so anyway, he's bulking up uh, and those kinds of things. So anyway, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But have you ever done something and when you've done it, like you knew you pushed past a boundary in your heart, uh, like your head is like, well, that could work, but your heart is like, uh, you know, like something on the inside. Maybe if you're here and you're even not a Christian, like you kind of know what that looks like. It's like your mind is kind of, you know, processing information, but your heart knows that's not a direction I need to take my life. Like I had like a warning there of like, this is not going to end well. I didn't quite know what it was, but I did know it was there. But at the same time, I wanted to sit. And so I did. Like, I'm like, thank you. I just completely overran the, the border and boundary uh, in my heart and just, you know, thank you. And sure enough, that's exactly what I did. I sat and I had a good time just sitting. Uh, and my wife calls me and she's like, um, well, no, she didn't call me at this point. She texts me and she texts me a picture of like rain falling, like just dumping rain. Cause if any of you were here on Monday, it came like the rain just fell. And so she sends me a picture of like all this rain falling. She's like, picked a terrible day to move a mattress. And immediately I know my wife and some of you may be wired this way or married to people who are wired this way. But when my wife finds something she has set her mind on doing, nothing is going to stop her. Like literally nothing will stop her until the project is done. I didn't know this about my wife when I married her. I found this out one year I got her like this massive puzzle for Christmas and I realized she will do nothing until the puzzle is finished. Uh, like the kids almost died. No one ate, uh, like all of these kinds of things. But three days later we had a puzzle done. I uh, like, and like, this is fascinating. It's a strength and a struggle all at the same time. Uh, but she really does have like this bit. If she's made up her mind to do it, it is as good as done. So I know this about my wife. So I begin sending texts like this of like, don't move the mattress today. I'm like, I got it. Uh, we have two twin beds here that we can put together that equals kind of like a, a king. Uh, 
uh, and out of that, more than enough space, and we can sleep on those until, you know, the rain gets out of here, and I'll go get the mattress. You know, I'm shooting all these texts. You know, I'm a long texter, too. I'm sorry. If you're in a relationship with me, I will text you like a book, because uh, I would rather text it than say it. Uh, and, but I've discovered, like, the voice text, where it's like, I don't actually have to have to have a conversation with you. I can just talk, and you have to listen. Like, I'm like, this is beautiful. Thank you, Apple. Uh, so anyway, uh, like I, I send like this textbook and that type of thing, you know, explaining this and she doesn't say anything. And so like I reemphasize again, like, babe, like, trust me, I got the mattress. Thank you so much for your heart, uh, you know, to try to help me. I'll go get it. No worries. Uh, nothing. And 20 minutes later, I get a phone call from my wife and she's crying. Uh, and I'm like, are you okay? Like, what do you need? She's like, I moved the mattress. And I'm like, it's pouring outside. She said, I know. It wasn't pouring though when I left. And she's like, she feels so bad. And she's like, I really need you right now. And I'm like, what do you need me for? She's like, the mattress flew out of the truck. (laughs) And I'm like, where are you? Like, I'm, I'm picturing, like, on 55, a mattress, you know, flying out in the rain and, like, taking out the car behind me. Like, I can already see the bills, like, flashing before my eyes of the mattress that has lost, that, you know, the cars that have been injured in the wreck behind. Like, all of these things are coming, and she's like, she tells me there, and she's like, it's okay, no one got injured, and I'm trying to move the mattress, but it's too heavy, and it's pouring rain, and I need you. And she hangs up. And I'm like, where are you? I don't even know where you are exactly. So she gave me the vicinity. And so like I run and like I'm, I tell Reese, I'm like, watch your youngest brother. And I get in my car and I'm, I'm running to the, the truck. And, and so long story short, I find the truck and I see the mattress right dead smack in the middle of everything. Like people are driving by. No one is helping. I'm like, where's the hospitality, Mississippi? I know it's raining. You clearly see this lady struggling though. Like all of these types of things are going by. So then I get out of the car and I'm like, I'm trying to move this mattress. But if you've ever tried to move a King mattress, you know, it's heavy by itself. You take it and dump gallons of water on it and let it just sit there. It is like a brick. I'm looking at my oldest son, the one that I've been set, I've been feeding a mutant mass to, the one who like I built for this moment to help me. He's sitting in the truck. I'm like, God, if you want Isaac, I will offer him now. Like this is not something that is off the radar for me. Uh, like I'm looking at him like, get out of the truck. My wife gets out. Finally, my son gets out. He says the door was stuck. Anyway, out of this, we're we're grabbing the mattress. I finally managed to like haul it like and throw it in the bed of the truck. At this point, I'm like, where's the tie? She's like, what ties? I'm like, you didn't tie it down? She's like, no. And I'm like, babe. And so like now I'm like getting in the back of the truck and I'm literally just jumping on the mattress, trying to squish it into the bed of the truck. So I'm like, okay, I think it's decently stuck. Like, I don't see it going anywhere. We get it home. I tie it down. I tell them to go inside. And I'm like, I'm just going to have to throw it away. It's going, 
in the dump. So I walk inside and my wife looks at me. She's got tears coming down her eyes and she's like, babe, I'm so sorry. Now I had connected with God. So I felt very spiritual because she happened to call while I was having a Sabbath-ish type moment. And remember, Sabbath is not because it makes you just more rested. When you do Sabbath right, it also makes you more loving. And so she got me in this kind of, you know, loving, rested, thankful moment. And I'm like, babe, it is so okay. I'm like, it's just a mattress. I'm thankful you're safe. It could have been so much worse if it had flown out in another space. And she's like, thank you, babe. She came back to me later. She's like, I just want to say thank you. I'm like, for what? And she's like, just for being so gracious, just so kind. And I thought about that. And genuinely for me, uh, I am a type three on the Enneagram. I don't know if any of you know what that means. Uh, but for those of you who don't, it's like very determined, leader, driven. Uh, for DISC, if you know, are familiar with DISC profile, I'm D on DISC, like 97%. Uh, and so like out of that, like decisive, driven, determined, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. And so I've noticed this about my personality that sometimes I don't reflect uh, gentleness the way I, I want to reflect it. In fact, earlier this year, I was having lunch with a buddy, and I asked him, I'm like, what are you reading right now? What podcast are you listening to? This is a question I ask a lot of people who I'm impressed with. And he told me this book, uh, Gentle and Lowly. And soon he said, I'm like, I'm reading it. I actually preached on this before, but the reason why I picked the book up was because I wanted to be more gentle and lowly. Like that was something that I saw in my walk with Christ that's not fully surrendered. And so I picked up the book, Trying to Be More Gentle and Lowly, and I'm reading the book, and it's about Jesus. It's not about us learning to be more gentle and lowly. It's teaching us his character, and it's using the, the phrase and the, the story of like the only time Jesus described, and this is important, the only time Jesus described his heart to us is we would look at Jesus and describe him as whatever, but the only time he described himself was when he looked at his disciples, he said, Come. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden and tired, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. And this whole concept of God being gentle to me, and then me like receiving that gentleness and reflecting it to others, was something that I really saw I needed to work on. And I noticed this even more with the rest of the story. So I told my wife, I'm like, well, we need a new mattress. It's been on our vision list for a long time to get a new mattress anyway. I'm like, we, we probably won't get the one that we really want uh, because we haven't saved up fully for it. But I believe in having emergency funds. And so I'm like, we, we have a need for a mattress that we did not have before. We'll tap the emergency fund and, you know, get a decent one. And so I'm like, just pick one out. And so she called somebody that uh, was a friend of hers and, you know, told them the story. And they said, well, come to the warehouse on um, Wednesday and pick out the mattress. Well, my wife couldn't go, so she sent me. And so I go to the warehouse. It's, you know, 8.30 in the morning. I'm in this warehouse. And, you know, I'm, there are awkward things. I don't know if any of you have done something that's like, that was awkward. For some of you, the meet and greet was very awkward. It's like, talk to strangers? Uh, and, you know, it's like the scales of awkwardness. Well, for me, like an 8, if, if awkward is 1 to 10, with 10 being, like, outrageously awkward, an 8 or 9 would be going to a mattress shop and having to try out mattresses. Um, now, like, especially with the sales 
salesperson because like they're with you and they're like, sit on it, lay on it. I'm like, no, like not in front of people. Like, you know, like this, she's like, well, this is the only way for you to know. So I'm like, I'm like, it feels good. To, she's like, lay on it. I'm like, no. And finally, sure enough, I, I do. And so, you know, like I'm laying on this side and like, well, we'll try it the other way. And I'm like, this is so awkward. I don't know why, but like they probably do it all the time. But for me, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. So we do this with several mattresses. It's getting progressively awkward. And, and, uh, and out of this, she's like, well, what about this one? I'm like, I think this is, is perfect. And so I get up and there she explains like um, that they wanted to give it to me. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, no, we were, were praying and we really felt like we wanted to give you the mattress. I'm like, no, 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 no. I said, you know, we made the mistake. I want to pay for it. I said, I don't mind paying for it. And I, I don't want you to think we contacted you because we wanted like a gift um, they're like, no, we wanted to give it to you. So I'm like, well, which one's the cheapest? Like out of all the ones we looked at, which one is the cheapest? We're like, we're not telling you the price. Which one do you like? I'm like, stop, which one's the cheapest? And they're like, you stop. Which one do you like? <laughs> it's like, do you need to lay on them again? Nope, I'll take this one. Uh, so, you know, out of this, I, I get this mattress and they make sure to strap it on. Uh, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, anyway. So, they, you know, they tie it onto the truck and like all those types of things and just send me on my way. And I'm, I'm driving home and I feel shame. And I don't know if, if any of you are like hard on you. Uh, but I feel this shame because it's like, you know, I'm, my wife was overwhelmed with my graciousness and my kindness in that moment. But honestly, what I was feeling in that is if I would not have violated my heart, I never would have put you in a predicament where you would be unsafe. And I didn't tell her that, but that was what I was thinking of like, I was actually the one that was at fault here. And then here I am, I violated my heart, and this happened on the road. But then also, now like somebody's having to give me something that I know costs them a lot of money. And these types of, and I'm like, Joel, what were you thinking? Like, and I'm going down this shame road. And, and God, this whole year has been trying to teach me, like, not just to, to be more gentle, but to receive more gentleness, and to, to have his love and his compassion and, and his grace shown to me. And, and out of this, I call my wife while I'm on this journey and, you know, bringing the, the mattress back home. And I'm like, they gave it to us. And she's like, what? I'm like, yes, they gave it to us. And she's like, she's like, I could hear her crying. And she's like, babe, aren't you overwhelmed at the goodness of God to us in this season? And as soon as she said that, and I could see the lens in which she's, she's, she's coming from of like seeing God's grace and mercy, seeing that through others, seeing that through me, seeing that through the Father. And that, the, you know, all of us as a husband, as business owners, the body of Christ being gracious, being kind, being merciful, because that is God's heart. 
And I, I'm looking at this moment when she says that, I'm like, God, forgive me for like my hard-heartedness of, of religion and sin consciousness of how it like creeps into our soul and drives and leads us with shame and improved performance and constantly trying to be better and constantly striving for self-improvement instead of leaning on the grace of God. And I want to encourage you in your life, God is very gracious to you, that he is gracious and he is full of compassion. Uh, and what is graciousness? It's, it's two things kind of coming together. It's mercy meeting good assistance. Uh, so mercy stops you from paying the price of your past. Uh, so when you've made mistakes, those mistakes bring consequences. Mercy comes in and keeps those consequences from coming to you. It's like the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of the home, that God overrides the chaos that should be coming to you out of mercy uh, because of the blood of the lamb. Mercy stops the consequence. And so thank God for mercy. God is a God of mercy. Uh, but it's more than just mercy stopping the consequences of your past. It's also this divine assistance with God helping you to do something in your future that you never could do for yourself. That at the end of the day, and this is a phrase that's been big in my heart for a long time and honestly something that I'm having to get my soul comfortable with, uh, but it's letting God be the hero of the story. That it is not like, I worked hard, I climbed the mountain, I got better, I became more disciplined. It's like, you know what? It was just a wonderful goodness of God. Like, I didn't deserve it, I didn't earn it, God gave it. Like, God is amazing at what he does. And out of this, like, I'm sitting in the truck and all this is processing, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, look at the mattress, like, through the, the back, and I realize that the mattress that they have loaded up, this is a true story, the mattress that they had loaded up in the back of my truck was the exact mattress me and my wife over five years ago went into a store, saw that mattress, and said, we're going to believe God for this. i completely forgotten about it until I looked at that, and I went and found the prayer journal. And my point is, it's like, I, t I told my wife, I'm like, this is the best mistake we ever made. <laughs> like something that could have been disastrous. Not only was there mercy instead of disaster, but God through his grace actually turned it into a blessing. And I know that's so simple, like with a mattress, because many of us have much bigger problems than what we sleep on. Uh, but my point is, is that in your life, God wants to be gracious to you. And you must learn and rely on that grace and, and learn and rely on that, that mercy and come to God in a time of need instead of continuing the path of the mistake. In the Old Testament, one story that's just been so big on my heart the last couple of, of honestly, months has been the story of Jonah. Uh, Jonah's this wonderful book of the Bible. It's four chapters long in the Old Testament. And it's the story of a man that God wakes up one morning and he tells him, go to Nineveh and tell them consequences are coming. Uh, now, Nineveh is the capital of a, a nation called Assyria. And if you've ever read like ancient times, in ancient times, it was very brutal. 
and uh, like brutality was just something, nations warring, going against each other in brutal fashions. But the Assyrians were known for their lack of mercy and known for their brutality against all people, but especially the household of God. And, and this affected Jonah in a big way because he knew of people who had been hurt and wounded by them. And so when God tells him to go to them, he says, no. Uh, but he doesn't do it with his mouth, he just does it with his actions. So in his heart, he knows to do something, but in his life, he takes his life in the complete other direction. Has that ever happened to you uh, where you knew not to do blank, but yeah, you kind of did it anyway? Like you, you, you went the complete opposite direction you knew you should not go. This is called sin. And, and so out of this, Jonah begins to take his life to Tarsh, which is literally, if you're looking at a map in the complete opposite direction, of Nineveh. Now, here's the thing you need to know, and this is so critical, especially when reading Scripture. God is merciful, sin is not. And sin is not something to play around with, and sin is definitely not something to stay in because sin is not merciful. If you lie, keep on lying. Don't repent from your lies. Keep on lying. Keep on lying. It does not get better. It gets worse because sin has consequences. Um, if you have thoughts like that are unholy, un ungodly thoughts in the context of marriage, outside of the marriage covenant, you entertain those thoughts, entertain those thoughts, then act on those thoughts. Sin has consequences. Uh, for nations like uh, Assyria that would constantly go to war and sow these seeds of violence and brutality, you cannot continue sowing those seeds and expect a harvest not to come. Sin has consequences. Whenever I am in sin and I am not relenting, I am not repenting, I am pressing past those boundaries, I am inviting chaos into my life. Um, and out of this, we see this in Jonah's story, is Jonah's going in the complete opposite direction of what God has asked him to do, and chaos begins to enter into his life. And honestly, this is a lot of where our chaos comes from. I, I never would have had the chaos of, you know, what happened to my wife with this mattress if I would not have overridden my heart. Uh, but the Holy Spirit is our guide, constantly trying to take us away from chaos. Do, do you see, like, the, the Holy Spirit in the book of Genesis? There's nothing but chaos with the Holy Spirit hovering over it. God begins to speak, and out of this speaking, God begins to form borders all over the earth. And these borders are important. Ocean, stop here. Here is your boundary. River, here is your boundary. God begins with the help of the Holy Spirit to establish boundaries. But when do we get in trouble in the world, even with natural disasters? When things break their boundaries. When the ocean does not stop where it was told to stop, but a hurricane comes and wipes out a city, that the fire doesn't stay in the fireplace or in the fire pit. It spreads and goes to something else. When something breaks its boundary. It is inviting chaos back into the world. And the reason why God has put boundaries in our lives with, you know, things that he asks us to do is because he is trying to keep chaos away from you and I. He is not trying to be judgmental. He is not trying to be hard or harsh. He is trying to keep us safe by establishing these boundaries. So Jonah has his boundary, and it's go to Nineveh. He breaks that boundary and goes to Tarsh. And remember, God is merciful, sin is not, chaos comes. 
Now, these stories are not just designed for like good teenage stories or Bible school stories. This is for us to look at our lives and to say, the way I'm handling finances, am I inviting chaos? The way I'm talking to my wife and my children right now, God's trying to check me, trying to slow me, trying to, am I inviting chaos? I'm having thoughts that I know are not surrendered to God's spirit. Like, am I inviting chaos? Uh, Like, I know they're telling me it's 65 easy payments, but like, I think I'm inviting chaos, but I'll I'll sign anyway. I like all these types of things. Like, whenever we get something in our heart to break past that is me inviting chaos into my life. And this chaos breaks out, and even the fishermen who are here with Jonah and the sailors, they're like, you know what? Someone is sinning. <laughs> Someone, like, it, the storm was so bad, they're like, this is more than just bad weather. Uh, and they say, like, someone is breaking a boundary. And Jonah finally says, it's me. And they they throw him over, you know the story. And as soon as he's headed in the right direction, the chaos stops. And Jonah is carried by a well or a fish or something for three days. It's a type and shadow of Jesus. And then he's spit up on the shore. And the shore that he winds up on is Nineveh. And he goes and he preaches to Nineveh and he says, the path that you have been on has invited chaos. The path that you are living on is inviting all types of consequences that you are about to pay. The way you have lived, the way you have treated other people, the way you have treated yourself, the dishonor you have shown to nations, people, women, and children. It has all come to this moment where harvest is coming your way. And the chaos you've been inviting, it's about to override this whole city. And you know what they do when they hear the news in the book of Jonah? All these people, they begin to relent. What, what does relent mean? Um, have you ever like just been so determined, I, I, I'm doing it anyway. They relent. They humble themselves before God and they, they go to God. And they appeal to his mercy and his loving kindness and his compassion. And here comes God. I've been so impressed by Jesus just in reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Like this, this, I was reading the book of Matthew the other day, and you see Judas like come and, and tell the, the soldiers, like the one that I kiss, it is him. And he walks up to, to Jesus, and he kisses Jesus, the very man who was washing his feet. And Jesus looks at him, and he says, friend, friend, do what you must do. And when I read that, I thought like of the, like, is that sarcasm? (laughs) He's not being sarcastic. Uh, But it's like, you know, is it like biting? And I looked at the, the, the Greek of this and it's like this tender, tender language of like friend. 
for I'm gentle, he says. He meant friend. It wasn't sarcasm, it wasn't biting, it wasn't like undercutting it, he meant it. And these people cry out to God in Nineveh. And God comes, and you know what he does? He's merciful. He comes in and, and he like washes them whiter than snow and revival breaks out in the city. And Jonah is watching all of this. And a lot of people think Jonah uh, did not want to go to Nineveh because he was afraid that they would hurt him. Like, because that's what they do. They hurt people. And instead, like we see why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh in Jonah chapter four in verse number one, it says this, and they'll put it up on the screens, but it greatly displeased Jonah, like the Lord's mercy and revival sweeping over the land, greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. Why? Watch this, verse two. And he prayed to the Lord and said, please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? He's like, was this not the reason I didn't want to come here? Therefore, in order to forestall this, what? Like repentance and you being good to them. In order to forestall this, I fled to Tarsh. For I knew that you are, watch this, a gracious and compassionate God. Slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. And one who relents concerning calamity. And maybe some of you, you've been inviting this. The way you've lived financially, you've been inviting calamity. And the way you've been honoring or not honoring family, friends, yourself, you've been inviting calamity. The way you have been undisciplined, you have been inviting calamity. The way that you will not relent after the pursuit of the very thing you know is destroying you, you have been inviting calamity. But I've got news for you. God is gracious. And his loving kindness, it abounds forever. And his graciousness to you is not dependent upon the severity of your sin. His graciousness to you is dependent upon your willingness to come to him. Amen. And that's what I invite you to do. I invite you today to come to the Lord Jesus. I invite you today to lower your pride, relent from your ways, and respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit asking you to come home. I invite you to receive mercy, but I also invite you to ask for grace. And when you do, you will find, just like Samson, that if you have the boldness to ask, God has the love to answer, even if you are bound and blind. So today at all of our campuses, let's stand to our feet. I want to end with prayer and worship, and then we'll ask for a decision today. Father, we come before you. We love you. We thank you that you are gracious, that you are slow to anger, and you are abounding in mercy. Father, we thank you that your loving kindness is ever strong in this place on behalf of your people. Father, give your people today a heart for mercy. Holy Spirit, 
If there's any of us that need our lives to turn and go in another direction, would you show us that direction? And Lord Jesus, would you pour in your grace and mercy that empowers us to take that direction? Would you give us, Father, the humility to come and bow our knees unto you and say, Lord, I need you. And Father, I thank you that as your people do, no matter where they do it at, that your presence not only fixes their future, but brings hope and life even now into the present. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.